Welcome to the Airman Helping Airman Podcast. I'm your host, Khalith Wright, CEO, Air Force Aid Society. Join me as we chat with extraordinary guests, share stories, and learn how amazing people are making a difference in the lives of so many Air Force and Space Force families. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Airman Helping Airman podcast. I am Khalith, your CEO of the Air Force Aid Society. Today, I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Dr. Jerry Lynn Maples. Now, I'm going to take a second to tell you about Dr. Maples and all the wonderful things that she is doing for the military and veteran community. So first of all, she is the wife of a veteran who was injured in service during Operation Iraqi Freedom. And she is now a military caregiver who provides care for her husband, Robert. Now, Robert returned home in 2004 from service and Operation Iraqi Freedom. Soon after his return, she realized that something was wrong. Less than three years later, in 2007, was the first of three times she almost lost him. In 2019, she successfully defended her doctoral dissertation titled Surviving the Invisible Wounds of War, as told by the Unseen Heroes, which has now been published. And her dissertation focuses on her personal story as a National Guard military spouse turned caregiver. Her study explores the impact of post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injury upon National Guard Reserve military spouses and their children. She also earned a master's degree in human service counseling and military resilience from Liberty University. She is the chapter director at Blue Star Families, a national nonprofit network by and for military families from all ranks and services, including active duty, National Guard, and reserves. She is the founder of Operation Mission Insight organization dedicated to assisting businesses, educators, and other organizations within communities to help gain an understanding of military culture. Through personalized consulting services, Operation Mission Insight will assist organizations to develop and implement support programs tailored to meet the needs of their military clientele. That was a mouthful. (laughs) She is the author of Finding Creativity in Your Caregiver Journey, Creativity Along the Unseen Hero's Journey. She is the winner, or she is the 2020 Elizabeth Dole Fellow for Ohio, and she is viewed as a leader by those who support the military community within the Ohio region. You can find her on the social media, the links to include LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and we will make sure you have all of her contact information. That is a lot, and it's a lot because she is an amazing, amazing person. Dr. Maples, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, I I do a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, you do. Yeah. And so first, thank you. Thank you for doing so much for military spouses, for caregivers, and for all of the people that you impact. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, it, it really is a mission that I feel I was called to do. I was reading this morning a little bit of my book. I try to put a quote up on my page every morning. And I don't always get to do it, but I try to take some time to do that. And I was reading through my book this morning and about my decision to return to school and what a decision that was. If I had, I realized if I had made that decision back in 2009, I wouldn't 
be able to help as many people as I do today. Mm-hmm. So, so what drove that decision? What made you go back to school? Yeah. So at the time in 2008, my husband was told by the physicians at the VA hospital that he just wasn't going to be able to return to work. We'd almost lost him three times. And I found myself realizing that it was up to me to continue to support our family financially. And I was going from mortgage company to mortgage company. I was doing VA loans at the time and the market back then was so unstable and it just wasn't working for me. And I knew that I had to do something bigger in order to provide for my family. And I often giggle because I, when I walked into school, I was going to be a social worker and I didn't do that. So <laughs> like, like many students, we realized shortly after, maybe that's not the right thing for me. <laughs> yeah. It was probably the biggest decision I made. Well, good. Well, I think uh, we've all benefited from you going back to school and, and doing the great things that you've done. So again, thank you for that. Now, you mentioned your husband, Robert. Let's talk about Robert for a minute. So he was injured mm-hmm. in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Mm-hmm. How did your life change after his return? Wow, that's a that's a really great question. He was on stop loss when he was over in Iraq. So when he came home, he was out of the military. He was just in his young 40s at the time. And immediately when he came home, we had a second wedding. He asked me to marry him over again <laughs> when he was over there. And I know why he did that. He did that so that I would have something to look forward to and something to help him keep fighting and not really just something to come home to, something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And so when he came home three weeks later, we had our second wedding and I knew something was wrong. It was under, it was under this cloud that we were happy. We were excited. My husband was home. Our kids had their dad home. And then after that, things started really just going downhill He didn't have a job when he came home because he lost it before he left. And things were just uncertain. Things were challenging. So I just put the symptoms to that, right? Like he had this, I know now that he had post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. I realized that he was doing other things like stuttering and things like that. And traumatic brain injury wasn't a thing back then in 2004. It wasn't really a part of the conversation. And he started over just over the time, just not wanting to go go to work, not wanting to do things. He was very, just not himself. And so he wasn't keeping, he wasn't really keeping a job. And then when he finally found his place at, he, before he left, he was a secure, he was security at a local hospital. And he finally found the right place when I think like a year, almost a year after at another hospital and things seemed to settle down. But then he forgot to, I guess he was holding everything in, his PTSD, his his struggles, he was holding it all inside. And that was starting to affect him physically. And that's when he started not remembering how to swallow things as simple as water. It, it was very scary. You know, I reached for help and and I was told that your husband's not in the military anymore, so we can't help you. And that's a very frightening thing to hear as a spouse of someone who is going through this and raising two little small children. Well, they weren't too small then. They were 
10 and seven, but still, you know, it's frightening to hear when you're got this person who is displaying all these very scary things and you can't help them. So, yeah. So tell me about the, that that does sound very scary. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the moment you went from just being a military spouse to now being a military caregiver. How did that feel? What were you experiencing? Yeah. We often in the military caregiver world say we don't often know we're a caregiver until someone tells us that we are. Mm. And when in 2011, when President Obama and other legislators signed the Caregiver Act, I never really thought of myself as a caregiver until that because someone told me I was, right? And so... I think before that, I looked back and I realized, wow, I really was his caregiver, right? I was making his appointments at the VA and I was telling him, yes, you're going to go. And (laughs) I was doing all these things to help him throughout his day and supervising him and managing his triggers, learning to identify his triggers. Those are all things that I was doing until that came into place. And so a lot of caregivers don't really know. There's a lot of caregivers out there right now who are doing all those same things, but no one told them that you're a military caregiver. Or maybe they don't want that label because they feel that they don't identify in that way. Sometimes there's a stigma, I think, that goes along with that. And my work is to help them identify as a caregiver and really don't think of it as a barrier or a stigma. Yeah. So do you think it's like in your case, Robert, who, who mm-hmm. had traumatic brain injury and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. is it harder for caregivers of members who have those types of injuries to, to kind of realize they're in that space versus caregivers of uh, the veterans who may have physical injuries, who may be missing a limb or have some other type of physical injury? Is it have you found in, in your work that it's more difficult for one or the other to associate and manage the challenges of being a caregiver? I'm not really sure. If I think a lot of times our barriers and, and the things that we go through often have a lot of similarities. I think that we do a lot of the same things. I think the the question is, I think they're just a little bit different. There's this thing going on right now within the within the caregiver community where there's legacy caregivers and not and new caregivers that are coming into into the military caregiver system. And there's a, been a change in the law as far as who can be a part of the VA caregiver program. And a lot of that has to stem around ADLs and activities of daily living and the things that we do. And a lot of the things that we do are similar. I think it's just a difference in in injuries. I don't see a difference in in any of those other than that in that physical aspect because we still do things like make our appointments and take our veteran to appointments. I think the tasks are just different the way you put them. And so I don't I think maybe just overall we're all caregivers and we all identify as caregivers. I think it's just the difference in the things that we do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you've experienced it and now you work with organizations and individuals who are going through what you went through and what you go through. Mm -hmm. What have you found personally and through your work as the greatest challenges of being a military caregiver? Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) 
I would say that there's probably a couple things. Employment is one and just awareness. Employment is a big thing. I am so blessed to be part of a team that understands that I am a military caregiver and that my life and daily routines are a little bit different than others. And they don't see that as a barrier. Mm -hmm. Employers out there, I was part of another organization and they really kind of saw it as a barrier. And I often think I carry my phone with me. So whenever I'm not with Robert, I always have my phone and we have a system, right? If he calls once and I can't answer it right then, if he calls right back, I know it's an emergency. Mm -hmm. Those are our things, right? Well, sometimes you, as in this role, if you work outside the home and you have a situation like that, you have to, you have to go right then. You have to drop everything you do and go right then. And that's, I think, scary to some employers. And so that's one thing that I would say is been a challenge. And then the other thing is just really realizing that since 9-11 and this new era, our caregivers are younger. They have families. They're multitasking. And they're trying to balance career, raising children, and taking care of their veteran. And there's got to be this new awareness, right? This new awareness of us as a member of the community so that folks can come in and say, you know what, um, you're a caregiver. Oh, what is that, right? What do you mean you're a military caregiver? What does that look like? And through the Dole Foundation, we do a really good job of that through our Hidden Hero Cities and Counties initiative to help raise awareness that we are these hidden heroes and we are balancing all these things. And here's how you can help. Yeah. So I think those are the two biggest things. I like that, hidden heroes. Let's go back to for a second. You talked mm-hmm. about uh, employers and you were fortunate enough to have an employee who understands. Mm-hmm. What message would you have for employers, specifically, you know, managers and bosses who, how could they become more aware and better equipped to deal with an employee who may be a military caregiver? What advice would you have mm-hmm. for them on how to manage that relationship? Yes. Yes. Thank you for asking that because I, that's something that I work really hard to communicate. So I would say employers out there don't see a military caregiver as a barrier. I would see them as someone who is disciplined and a benefit to your team. And just think outside the box of how you can help that person become a part of your team. COVID has taught us that a lot of things can be done remote. (laughs) And when you have a caregiver like that, like myself or one of my fellow caregivers, they're going to come with a lot of energy. They're going to come with a lot of experience. They're going to be disciplined. They are going to be just well-versed and and flexible and adaptable, and they can adjust and pivot in any situation. We are quite a benefit to, to your team and really can be an asset. Caregivers are leaders. They're leaders in their community. One of the things that I found doing my dissertation when I interviewed five other caregivers is that we are leaders in the community and we have a real strong uh, voice and a passion to lead and help others. And I couldn't think of a better employee to have. So yeah, I would just say, find a way to whatever it is that you want to bring, whatever position it is, find a way to make it happen. There's always a way to make it happen. And yeah, so sorry, I could keep going. <laughs> no, 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 that's really good advice. As an employer myself, I think 
I'd be able to look at that and take the things that you just talked about and see how the skill sets that you as caregivers use in your daily activities caring for your veteran uh, could easily transfer over. And like you said, the flexibility of uh, remote work and whatnot. But on the, mm-hmm. on, the, on the flip side, what advice would you have for either a brand new, someone who's already employed and, and finds themselves suddenly as a caregiver? What advice do you have for how do I talk to my boss about what this means and how it might change how I show up at work? as well as Mm -hmm. the person who is currently a caregiver who may be interviewing for a job. So essentially, you know, how do you talk to your boss to get them to better understand that, Mm -hmm. hey, this is what a military caregiver is and this is how it might affect how I show up in the workplace? Yes, yes. Thanks for asking that as well. One of the questions that I often get asked by my fellow caregivers is, I'm going for an interview. Do I need to tell them I'm a military caregiver? And that's a really difficult question to answer because my heart says, yes, you want to be honest. And no military caregiver should have to fear identifying as a military caregiver. So I would say, yes, be honest. I had a employer recently, both my kids have an illness called POTS. It's postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And my son fell ill with it first. And he went from being a 24-year-old, vibrant young student who was getting ready to graduate with his undergrad degree to being bedridden within a day. Mm. During that time, I had to take, in in 2019, I had to take both of my kids because my daughter fell ill with it right afterwards to Cleveland Clinic 15 times in 2019. And I lost my job because... I was still caregiving for my husband. And then I had two very ill kids who went from being able to stand up to not being able to walk across the floor. So these things happen and you can find situations like this can happen to anybody. So my thing is when those things happen to you or if they ever do happen to you, just be honest with your employer and employers don't see that as a barrier. It's an obstacle. Find ways to work with that person because at the end of the day, they've dedicated time to your organization. And I feel like it's okay to dedicate time to them. Life happens. Look at this pandemic that we've all been going through. Life happens. And I'd say learn, use it as a learning yeah. curve and use it as an opportunity to grow as an organization. And caregivers out there, don't be afraid because I think... There's someone out there who's going to value you. So, yeah, that's really good advice, Dr. Maples. And I would add to and say to my fellow employers if you think about the skills and the perseverance and Mm -hmm. the flexibility and the mental toughness that it takes to be a, a caregiver and while balancing your own life and needs and goals, I mean, those skills are way more valuable than you know, being able to do spreadsheets and type letters or some of the other kind of task oriented things. So Mm -hmm. I would just say to my fellow employers, think about that stuff. And to those caregivers, make sure you highlight those things, those skills to your employers as you go for those interviews. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's transition for a minute, Mm -hmm. Dr. Maples, Mm -hmm. to Operation Mission Insight. Uh Tell me about this organization and what it does for military families. Yeah, thank you. So since I became the chapter director of Blue Star Families, I kind of pivoted that to my daughter. So she oversees that foundation now. And one of the things that 
it started from was the fact that I wanted organizations and companies out there and school districts and all those folks to understand that the military life doesn't stop after service. We're just in a new era and our kids are still military kids and all the obstacles are still there for them and for veterans as well, as well as caregivers. If you have a family who's transitioning after service with a wound, either visible or invisible, those things, those things still impact your daily life. So we started that to help further that conversation, but as well as support families in, in small ways. It's not the biggest organization out there, which thank goodness, you know, because my daughter's in grad school getting her doctorate now. So, so she does a lot. And my son helps her as well through that foundation. But what they do is at Christmas time and during the holiday season, they um, work to adopt families and they partner up with another organization to help make that happen. And then during the school season, back to school, they, along with another partner organization, get kids um, school clothes and things like that. And then before I left and pass that on to them, we started Uncle Bob's Backpacks. And they are named after my husband because when he was in Iraq, he was Uncle Bob because he was the oldest one going on convoy missions. So that's what his little, well, I wouldn't say little, but... um, (laughs) His, his guys and fellow soldiers called him Uncle Bob, and he has a lot more going on than his PTSD and his brain injury. He has a lot of other underlying conditions that made it difficult for him to fear, like he feared leaving the house because he might have a situation. So what he did was he made his own go pack, and he put things in there like uh different things that he felt he needed. So we made Uncle Bob's backpacks and we give those out to veterans who who are in need of and want a go pack so they can put things. We start them off with things such as a roll of toilet paper and a toothbrush and a brush and nail clippers and just little things like that. And they can take that and it even has a spot for headphones so if, you know, they want to listen to music, if they're going on a trip. But Robert takes his backpack everywhere with him. He does not leave the house. And I told him I was going to steal his idea <laughs> <laughs> so that other veterans could have it. And yeah. it's been a challenge for Emily, my daughter, to kind of keep that going. But she did just uh, last year, she applied for a small grant and she actually is able to go out here within the next couple of weeks and get some more backpacks. And I'm just so proud of her and, and my son because they love they love to help. And that's just a small way for them to do that. They get so much joy out of doing that for others. So Yeah. Maybe that's something that we and the other relief societies from the other services could certainly help out with. Mm-hmm. So I'll make sure that we circle back and, and see if we can help out with some funding for the backpacks. Oh. Well, thank you. Thank you. I That would make for day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and along those same lines, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about self-care in terms of with, so forget about uh-huh. your writing and your running organizations and your, all the other things that you're doing, but just the, mm-hmm. the idea that you're a caregiver and then you have your, all the other things in your life. Mm-hmm. How do you 
care for the caregiver, right? Yeah. How do you, what type of things are, do you do and do you recommend for caregivers in terms of self-care to make sure that they have the energy and that they can show up as the best version of themselves for their veteran mm-hmm. every single day? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. For me, it's, I'm either using these AirPods or my big, big headphones. <laughs> and I love to listen to music. I'll just tell them right now. I don't know if they listen, but I love Rob Thomas and John Mayer. So, <laughs> so in my self-care, <laughs> in my self-care, I use my headphones and I love music. I've always had a passion for music and I'll just sit in a small corner of the house and my family knows that, you know what, mom's listening to Rob or John. So just leave her alone because that's my my power hour, right? I just, I sit down and I'll write my thoughts. I'll journal. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they end up being published somewhere, (laughs) but that's how I get my thoughts on paper. And that's how I restore myself. And it's really nice to be able to just do that and get away. And that's what I recommend to other caregivers is do something for you, Mm. something that you love to do, something that you're passionate about. And that gives you that ability to restore, yeah, restore, reboot, (laughs) whatever that might be. Because one of the things that we do, and I've been guilty of this myself, and I tell my fellow caregivers is don't forget your pre-caregiver self. Don't ever do that. Don't forget your goals. Don't forget your visions. They're all still possible. You just have to think of how a different way to achieve them. Yeah. And so that's what I do. I just go find a spot in the house where I can be alone. And oftentimes my basset hound is sitting right next to me or my beagle, but (laughs) that's just the best thing that I can do that makes me feel happy. Yeah. So what about the rest of us? What can we all do as organizations, as citizens to Mm -hmm. better care for caregivers? What would you recommend those of us who either have time or resources? Mm -hmm. How can we plug in and be of more service to Uh, military caregivers? Yeah, that's a really great question. I would say just take the time to understand their obstacles. That's probably the best way. There's lots of things out there that, for example, the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and the RAND study, they talk about a lot of what the caregiver is and who they are and what the demographics say about them. And then also, um, you know, Blue Star Families, last year we we teamed up with the Rosalind Carter Institute to do another study on caregivers. And what they actually ended up doing through that study was redefining a, the definition of a caregiver. And there's more than military caregivers, mm-hmm. active duty and guard and reserve. They have children with special needs. As a matter of fact, last year in the 20, I think it was the 2020 Blue Star Family, we do our annual military family lifestyle survey. In Ohio, 22% of our families said that they had a child with a special need. So there's a lot more than military caregivers. So I think just really kind of take the time to understand who all is impacted, right? Active duty, guard, reserve, our veterans, our veterans. There's all different kinds of ways that folks are caregivers. And I will say too that caregivers often like myself, even though our kids are in their 20s now, they both still live at home. <laughs> They're both still in school. Yeah, I think I've created little academic monsters because they are following in my footsteps, but I'm proud of them. But they, 
I'm still caring for them too, because they just all of a sudden fell ill, right? So I'm a multiple caregiver too. And there's a lot of caregivers out there like that. So I would just say, take the time to understand their obstacles and find ways that your organization can respond. And that would be my best advice. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Doc, and, and thanks for being such a, a good role model, Aww. modeling all the things that, that you talk about. Let's talk about your book. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, how was the journey writing a book and, and what were you looking to get across when you wrote your book? Yeah. Yeah. So my this book here is my dissertation. And I have to tell you, that was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. <laughs> there were times where <laughs> I was sharing this story last week with my students. I remember sitting in the middle of the dining room and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I can't do this. And get feedback from your dissertation committee and you feel defeated, right? (laughs) So I walked off, went to do something else, came back, sat at the table. My daughter was having a sleepover at the time. And I think I scared them (laughs) because I was like, oh my gosh, I got it. I had an epiphany. I had it. And from there on, I realized that I had to tell my story and I had to go all the way back to my childhood to Mm. find out how I got so strong. What did I do to become so strong? What did I endure? What made me be able to face all these challenges of being a caregiver to my husband? And so I realized that it was my childhood. So in my book, I do interview five other military caregivers. Their stories made me cry. I spent a lot of time with a Kleenex. It was very hard. I found so many similarities. But one thing I found is we all love our moms. We all go to our moms because our moms are there to help us, right? Mom never stops having the answers. (laughs) And then I realized my mom taught me how to be strong. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, she was a single mom of three. And she taught me lessons that I will hold near and dear to me for the rest of my life. And I talk about a time when I was in the fourth grade and no one came to my birthday party and how I was, I cried because I didn't have any friends. Right. And it's those times that I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for those challenges growing up, facing the, the things that I did because they made me who I am today. So. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's great. And I'm sure people are not just learning from your example. I've talked about you being a role model, but I think it's, uh, it's fantastic that you've written these things down. So for people to learn from mm-hmm. for many, many years to come, that's pretty amazing. So that's Invisible and Unseen. Now, what about your other book? Oh. Finding Creativity in the Caregiver Journey. Yeah. Yeah. So I call that my COVID book. <laughs> I don't know how many people have those, <laughs> but I was looking through my doctoral papers because, you know, when you're a doctoral student, you write a lot of papers. And I remember my one professor, Dr. Golden, he walked us through that journey on being creative. And I went back to write, to look at the series of papers that I wrote for his class. And I was like, you know, this can be super beneficial. So then I added to it. Mm-hmm. And I shared a lot of my techniques. One of those techniques was my daily code, my daily color code. So green is for a good day. That means that that Robert is able to kind of be mobile and not not so. It's a good day if you 
can all have one that that would be a good day. So that means I could go out and run to the store and, you know, still keep my phone, but not worry as much all the way to a red day. That means, you know what, I better have my, I better have my response team in check and let them know that I might have to go to the ER today or something of that nature. And so it just helps me keep my day balanced. And I show caregivers that you don't have to be an artist to be creative. There's other ways to be creative, to respond, and really kind of help you find your pre-caregiver self and just think outside the box. There's lots of tools that you can use. I teach my students that you live and breathe by your calendar and you need to use your calendar. So there's tips in there about that. And really, it's just kind of a guide to help them think outside the box and let them know that you're not alone in this. I did put the caregiver stories in there to start it off to really kind of help capture that, that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're not, you don't have to travel this journey by yourself and here's some ways to help. Yeah. Wow. Thanks again. I mean, I just, it's, it's just so hard to imagine how you do it and, and how you stay focused and how you are so good at what you do. I mean, you're a, you <laughs> I mean, you're an educator, you're a mom, you are a spouse, you are a military caregiver, you are a chapter president. You, I mean, <laughs> in all of the work that you're doing in this space, what are you most proud of? Like, what, what brings you the most joy in what you're doing? I would say that I'm able to help others and I'm able to raise awareness. But at the end of the day, I'm most proud of the fact that I can watch my husband get up every day, put his feet on the floor and be the champion that, that he's able to be. And at the same time, my, my kids, they have that will to give and they see that. My son made me cry a few months ago. <laughs> we were driving to an appointment and he was talking about how I do all these things for people and how proud he is of me. And I literally started crying on I-75. I'm like, can you stop that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, because I need to see you to drive. But they make me proud every day because life has not been easy for them. Mm -hmm. And it just, it. I think raising awareness to them, to their challenges, to other military children's challenges, and to be able to help further that conversation is a, just a tremendous accomplishment. And even being on here with you, see, I'm still <laughs> sharing the words. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I'm proud of that. And I will, I can't share the secret, but I will tell you there are some things that I've been very, very passionate about accomplishing. Mm-hmm. One of those last year, we made Ohio the seventh hidden hero state, which was, I literally cried my eyes out when I heard that news because that's something that I wanted to do. But we have, some bigger things that I'm working on in the education space for military caregivers. And so I'll keep you posted on that. All right. (laughs) I got an update yesterday. (laughs) So I'll keep you posted on that. But it's those things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to echo the sentiments of your son and say myself, and I think we're all very, very proud of you and the work that you're doing. So keep up the great work. Thank you. I certainly look forward to the big reveal, the big surprise and and what's going (laughs) on. And I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines. And and like I mentioned, I'm going to try to get some support for your daughter and Uncle Bob's backpacks. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 
I will let her know that she will be so excited. We love the fact that those things can go go out and help fellow veterans so that they feel secure when they leave the house. All right. So, well, Dr. Maples, again, thank you so much for joining us. Any final words of, of wisdom or encouragement for military caregivers or those who support them? Yeah, I would say, again, don't forget your pre-caregiver self. Things are still possible. You just have to find a new way, a new way to approach them. And don't ever feel like you're alone. There's lots of different spaces that you can go to. We at least our families have our caregiver program. And obviously there's the Elizabeth Bill Foundation, the Rosalind Carter Foundation, those organizations that are able to support you. So you're never alone. So don't ever feel that. And don't be afraid to share your story. Don't be afraid to share your caregiver story because one thing that I found is there, when you start sharing your story, other people are going to connect with you and find similarities. So don't ever forget that. And for organizations out there, I definitely encourage you to go to Blue Star Families, look at the data and read the new survey that came out last year on caregivers and also our Military Family Lifestyle Survey. There's lots of ways that you can help. And I think you're going to find those answers on how you can help by just diving through that data and really just kind of seeing where you fit in. All right. So great advice indeed. I'm, and I'm going to be diving through that information myself so that uh, <laughs> not only our organization, Air Force Aid Society, but just as an individual and my friends and family, I want to make sure that we can contribute more to this great effort. So thanks again, Dr. Maples, for all the fantastic work that you've been doing. Thanks for joining us today. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your Airman Helping Airman podcast. I am Khalees, and our guest today was Dr. Jerry Lynn Maples, military caregiver, published author, chapter director at Blue Star Families, founder of Operation Mission Insight, and author of... I want to make sure I get the name or finding creativity in your caregiver journey. So Dr. Maples, again, thank you so much. We look forward to continuing to work with you and your organizations in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Airmen Helping Airmen brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society to find out more about how we make a difference, visit AFAS.org. And then be sure to search for Airmen Helping in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of everyone at the Air Force Aid Society, thanks for listening and join us on social media.